1: Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: Ladies and, Ladies gentlemen, and gentlemen, 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 you are now you listening, listening, to listening to the to fantasy, fantasy Baseball, baseball Hour with, hours, hours,
1: with hours, Al Melchior. welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, maybe taking a break from watching Cubs Pirates, I don't know uh anyway i'm glad whatever uh you're doing i'm glad that you're uh, making this a part of your day today and uh part of my day today is going to be talking to dane perry from cbssports.com haven't had Dane on the show in a while i think first time this season so uh as is typical when i have Dane on the show we'll talk a little bit about the cardinals i'm very intrigued by the rotation situation there uh even with Alex Reyes out for the year, which uh, Nando Defino and I talked about on yesterday's show. I still think there's some unanswered questions there and uh, quite a few things on the roster that are pretty interesting. So uh, we'll talk to to Dane about that. Um, We've got uh, a Zach Britton update. That is not really the one (laughs) I necessarily expected. So uh, I'll, I'll tell you what that's all about. And, uh, you know, as is typical, we'll go over the state app performances from the previous day. Uh, also, uh, Fridays, usually I solicit uh, emails for your, uh, you know, week, uh, weekend uh, lineup setting pleasure. Uh, but uh, we've got a late lineup lock on Monday coming up, uh, 7 Eastern p.m., of course. So I'm going to hold that off until Monday's show. Um, so didn't solicit any questions. Did put a Twitter poll out there that's going to relate to three of the pitchers that I'm going to talk about a little bit later on, uh, so I'll get to that. Uh, Talk a little bit about next week's schedule as well. So uh, let's get to the news, and something that uh, just came out from the New York Daily News uh, not long before uh, coming on air here, the uh, Mets are currently not listening to to trade offers for either Jacob Degrom or No Syndergaard, but according to a source, that that could change if the team does not become more competitive uh, in the near future. So that obviously would be a huge development heading uh, towards the trade deadline, which is still uh, not quite two months away, but you know a long way away at this point. But uh, that's uh, definitely something to uh, to uh, monitor uh, over the next few weeks to be sure that's. Uh, Pretty significant story, and uh, a little bit less significant, uh, but actually just saw this uh, also uh, come across my various news feeds uh, not long before coming on air here. The Pirates have placed Richard Rodriguez on the DL, and again, not you know now that Felipe Vel- Velasquez, Felipe Vasquez has uh, settled back into the closers role. Not that he ever really lost it. Looked like for a brief moment there that maybe Kyle Crick was ready to take over that as he had been uh, used in increasingly higher leverage situations. But just as it seems like uh, seemed like maybe Vasquez was going to go on the DL or just lose the job. uh, He has settled in. Uh, But Rodriguez was a part of that mix when Vasquez was struggling. But early in the year, he was just getting all kinds of strikeouts, had a very high whiff rate Uh, that has decreased dramatically. In the last couple of weeks. Now maybe there's an explanation why. Uh, so going on the DL with right shoulder inflammation. Who are the Pirates bringing up to replace them? Never ask us. That's right. Devitas never ask us. Uh, I probably pronounced that wrong. Never ask us. Coming up from AAA uh, Indianapolis to take Rodriguez's place in the uh, Pirates bullpen. Uh much bigger story uh, that uh, I would have uh, gotten to probably first thing if I hadn't just seen those two things. Uh, Shohei Otani, contrary to the report that I cited on yesterday's show, he is expected to miss at least one start due to his blister, and he may go on the DL. So the report that uh, I got yesterday was that this blister was less serious Than the one he had previously, and he didn't miss the start with that one. Nado raised a great question, which I've still not really seen an answer to, which is whether or not he'd miss time as a DH. Right now, that looks like that's going to be almost a certain uh, a certainty. Uh, And um, I just have an update now uh, on Otani that he has been diagnosed with a UCL sprain, so definitely a bigger problem than the blister. He's going to be out for a minimum. Of three weeks. So I guess it's good that I waited. An extra minute or two to talk about Otani. This really sort of renders the previous updates. Uh, pretty much useless. So forget about the blister. Uh, this is. Obviously pretty bad news. For uh, Shoei Otani. Um, UCL sprain. And uh, also. Boy all kinds of breaking stuff here. Uh, Jerry's Familia just placed. On the disabled list. So it's also. Following up on something I talked to Nando about on Nando Thursday, yesterday's show, um talking about the situation where uh the he's been uh familiar has been used a couple of times last week in the eighth inning to uh face the tougher part of the opponent's order, with Robert Giselman being safe for the ninth inning. So I, I think that's a pretty clear signal that Gisellman would be the the pitcher to pick up now. Uh since uh, there's a a certain amount of faith already placed in him to handle the ninth inning in certain uh, safe situations. But anyways, uh, Jerry's Familia to the DL. I actually have not even seen yet what the injury is for Familia. So as soon as I uh, get a hold of that, I will pass that on. Uh, Continuing on, though, uh, good news, uh, finally, uh, for a pitcher. Uh, Carlos Rodon is going to be activated to make his season debut against the Red Sox this Saturday. Uh, He's been out all season with the shoulder injury. And in uh, the corresponding move to get Rodon into the rotation, Hector Santiago, who's been uh, filling in for a a few turns, is going back to the bullpen. So Dylan Covey, who I think probably a lot of people, I will admit that was my first suspicion and something I was concerned about because I actually own him in a league. Uh so he's gonna remain in the rotation. He's actually been pretty good uh since uh since getting called up and, and pitching in the White Sox rotation. So Rodanin, Santiago to the bullpen, uh Dylan Covey, and also Lucas Giolito both uh staying in the White Sox rotation. All right, back to Zach Britton, who I just mentioned offhandedly a little bit earlier. <laughs> so speaking of some weird uh reliever news, uh there's actually two pieces of information here on Roda, or on uh, sorry on Zach Britton. Uh, there was a uh, report uh, earlier today from the Baltimore Sun that Britton could be back as soon as Wednesday, and that actually supersedes uh, an update that came out yesterday from Masson.com that Britton would be back next Thursday. So that bumps it up a day earlier than the uh, Orioles were expecting. Uh, I, I know that Britton's been doing well in his rehab. But uh, I'm not exactly sure why Wednesday instead of Thursday, what the distinction is there. But that means that uh, Orioles are expecting to get Zach Britton back even a day earlier than uh, just recently announced. So uh, good news for him. You might think that that's bad news for Brad Brock. And I suspect it is uh, because, again, it's been going well for Britton in his rehab. Uh, Brock blew the saved on uh, Thursday night. So it's not been going that well for him. But, and this is really sort of buried in that Masson.com piece. Uh, and I've not heard this commented on, reported anywhere else, which I find odd. But in that Masson report that initially stated Britain would be back next Thursday, it said that the team was considering putting him in the rotation. Uh, now, it also mentioned that report mentioned that Britain prefers to be a reliever. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think it'd be very unlikely for Zach Britton to go back in the rotation. But at least it's something that the team has considered and discussed. And I haven't seen anything definitive about Britton's role. So on yesterday's show, we did a little bit of speculation on that. And Nando and I basically agreed that you figure maybe Britton gets eased in a little bit, as you typically see with closers uh, who spend a long time on the DL. Uh, So maybe Brad Brock gets a, a little extra run, maybe gets an extra save chance or two. Uh, but that eventually will be Zach Britton. I still believe that's the case, but my verb choice there is believe. I don't know it to be the case, and I'm just intrigued, you know, that why would it be reported that the team is considering using Britton as a starter again if there wasn't some seriousness about that? So I'm not completely putting that out of mind. Um, But, uh, and also, uh, a third thing, to add to this, not only being aware of the return date, not only being aware that we don't know what Zach Britton's role is going to be, but the third consideration here is that he's likely to be a trade chip for the Orioles. There were a lot of rumors last season. He never went anywhere. He's still there. He's coming back. He'll have an opportunity in whatever role the Orioles use him in to build up his his trade value. So if the, the, the long and the short of this, I guess the long, because I've been going on about this for a few minutes, uh, but the long and the short of this for uh, Brad Brock owners is don't drop him. Don't drop him, because while he's been really inconsistent so far, there's not a lot of other good options. Darrow No Day it looks like, is not exactly on the verge of coming back. Uh, Michael Givens has been okay, but I think not uh, consistent or excellent to the point of being a, an immediate threat to Brock. And uh, he's actually, it looks like been leapfrogged by Richard Blyer, uh, who's been pitching the eighth uh, pretty frequently lately, uh, setting up for Brad Brock. And uh, I don't know, maybe they'd give uh, maybe they'd give Blyer a try uh, if uh, Brock didn't do well and for whatever reason they didn't want Britain to close. Uh, that would be kind of a, an Alex Claudio type scenario where you'd have a closer who uh, doesn't get very many strikeouts, but gets just uh, an incredible rate of ground balls and soft contact. So it's a messy situation. <laughs> it's a very messy situation. And I'm still speculating that uh, within two weeks, Zach Britton's going to be closing games for the Orioles. But that looks like far from a, a done deal. A couple of Red Sox injury notes from the Boston Globe. J.D. Martinez was removed from yesterday's game uh, when he dealt with some uh, tightness in his back. And Mookie Betts uh, is going to take batting practice again uh, today before uh, the Red Sox game. And that's going to be a 7-10 Eastern start at Fenway Series opener against the Chicago White Sox. Uh, at that point, uh, bets will be evaluated and a determination will be made on whether or not he needs to go on a rehab assignment. So looks like uh, maybe there's a shot that uh, we'll be able to use Mookie Betts next week, but wouldn't necessarily count on anything from him over the weekend. But we should know more, I would say, probably late tonight or maybe early tomorrow uh, about Betts' next steps. Uh, another update here on Carlos Correa. We talked about him on yesterday's show. He uh, yesterday went to see the Astros team doctor, and uh, he had an MRI done, which showed uh, nothing abnormal, according to The Athletic, and he is still day-to-day Carlos Correa. So nothing uh, about a DL stint. This is probably going to be one of those situations where they'll see how it goes for a day or two, and either Correa will be back or imagine maybe uh, a DL trip, although I've seen absolutely nothing about a DL trip yet for Carlos Correa. Uh, Elvis Andrews has been on the DL for quite a while, but the good news is that he is likely to go on a rehab assignment early next week. And best best case scenario is that Andrews could be back with the Rangers for next weekend series against the Rockies, according to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. So that's great news uh, for Elvis Andrews. Uh, Ronald Cunha is actually on the very same timetable. He may go on a rehab assignment early next week, and if all goes well, then his best-case scenario is to be back next weekend for the Braves. They'll be playing the Padres. Uh, that report from MLB.com. Uh, Josh Donaldson is uh, eligible to be activated, but uh, he told Sportsnet that he is, this is a direct quote, kind of iffy to be activated. So. Um, guess we'll see more on that but given that i haven't seen anything yet my guess is we won't uh, have josh donaldson back today a report from john hayman that the phillies have contacted the orioles about manny machado uh team is not uh, the team being the orioles have not had talks yet with the braves who are considered another very good fit for machado uh but uh, according to this Heyman report uh, the orioles are asking a price that the phillies consider to be too steep but obviously it's early uh, discussions. And in fact, there are not even discussions with the Braves yet. So this is something that's in the early stages of development, but Machado, obviously a, uh, a big name that could go uh, at some point before the July 31st trade deadline. Dennis Santana, as you know, by now was scratched uh, yesterday, very uh, shortly before his scheduled start for the Dodgers. He is scheduled to have an MRI done today. He has some sort of lat injury, but once we know those MRI results, we'll know more. As expected, Jordan Montgomery had Tommy John surgery. The procedure was done yesterday. And, of course, he is out for the rest of the season and a good chunk of 2019 as well. And Fernando Abad uh, has received an 80-game suspension uh, for PEDs that also initially reported by John Heyman, and the jokes uh, on Twitter just wrote themselves. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. uh, had the report, I believe it was yesterday, that he uh, hurt his knee, and uh, he has now been officially placed on the seven-day DL in AA. Uh, But it is considered a precautionary move, and he is not expected to miss a whole lot of time. So uh, not many lineups out yet. I do have uh, some weather forecast for you. And we have one game in progress. As I mentioned earlier, we got the Cubs and the Pirates going on. Uh, Cubs are up 3-0 on the Pirates uh, right now. Actually, top of the third, Mike Montgomery uh, pitching for the Cubs. Chad Cool struggling a little bit for the Pirates, already giving up five hits and a walk. And those three runs. And uh, as for the Cubs, Jason Hayward staying hot. It's two for two with a double already. Um, so maybe we're seeing the, the the offensive rebirth of Jason Hayward right before our eyes here. So on that note, uh, we are going to have to head to break shortly. And when we come back, I will check in on the lineups. Let you know what weather uh, forecasts you need to pay attention to as you set your uh, lineups for the nighttime slate. And uh, before all that, though, we are going to be visited by Dane Perry of cpssports.com. So you definitely want to hear that. We'll be right back. Did you know
0: that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. 844- 4 FNTSY. That's 844 843 6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And just a very, very quick update here uh, during the break. You see that the uh, injury for Jerry's familia, who is just placed on the DL, is a sore shoulder. Don't have any other information besides that, but I'll try to update you again later on the show. But right now, uh, joining us from CBSSports.com. You know him. You love him. Uh, glad to have him back. Dane Perry, thank you so much for taking some time to uh, join me today. Good to be with you, Al. I haven't talked to you in a while, so always good to chat. Uh, <laughs> well that was pretty much exactly what I said at the top of the show. It's been a while since uh, since I've had you on. So good good to have you here. And uh this, you know I always uh, like to uh chat cardinals with you and you know I think there are some interesting questions to deal with but uh, I did time this this way asking you to come on the show specifically because it's 2 days after the end of the MLB draft every year you do a great column that I look forward to uh on some Maybe true, maybe not so true, uh sort of uh histories of, of some of the ball players that were selected in the draft based on their names. Are are you gonna be doing that again this year? It uh just came out uh a few minutes ago actually. So Oh wow. yeah,
0: I, uh, yeah, yeah. And I would I would clarify that uh the stories told about the names are one hundred percent false. So let's not have any confusion about that. Absolutely not. The names I are real though. Yeah.
1: Well, so it's, yeah, okay. So you got something that's real, and yeah. something that's yeah. False. The names are real.
0: These are actually real <laughs> names drafted, and it was an incredibly rich draft this time around for names. I had some hard decisions to make.
1: All right. Well, I I, I do want people and I, I want myself to go and and read this uh, right after the show's over, uh, and not to have uh, any spoilers. But uh, give, maybe get just you know like one preview trailer of the uh, of the column. Yeah, let's
0: uh, let's pick out one real quick here. Da, 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 da. All right, there is one name that is all right. The number two hundred fifty-eight overall pick by the White Sox was Gunnar Troutline, and he sounds like an absolutely yoked Hobbit, weightlifting Hobbit. So that's a taste.
1: See, I'm I'm crestfallen that 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 is there's not even chance that that's true. <laughs> Well,
0: you know, I, I suppose it could be true, and I'm just not aware that I'm telling the truth, so let's go with that.
1: <laughs> uh, that's fair. And By the way, I don't know how many people listening are going to get this, but I can no longer go to the grocery store and buy Smart Balance without thinking about the Mets. But that's, you know, people <laughs> have to go and go to your archive and, and figure out why that's the case. The prediction's not anyway, looking good right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, it, it would Shockingly, be worse if yeah. they... If they trade uh, yeah. Degrom and Syndergaard, uh, yeah. anyhow, yeah. Uh, we'll <laughs> we'll move on from the Mets to the Cardinals, uh, and uh, it was definitely, uh, I think, uh, something of a crushing blow when the team lost Paul DeYoung because he's really, uh, you know, blossomed uh, on uh, both sides of the field. Uh, he may be back within a month or so, so you know while it might seem a bit early to think about this uh, in fantasy, it's never too early to to speculate on these things. So uh, when DeYoung does return, how do you see that uh, uh, creating uh, some some collateral impact uh, on what's already a crowded infield situation?
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of difficult. Uh, I tend to think that Colton Wong will probably be the guy who loses playing time uh just because Matheny in the past has shown a willingness to kind of yank Wong in and out of the lineup depending on how he's playing i mean he can you know if he goes hitless he's out of the lineup the next day and sort of that that kind of thing that was going on last season uh, you know, but if Matt Carpenter does not level up, you know, as we all keep waiting for him to, he's showing some signs of life. He's a possibility as well. I think Young obviously is going to be in the lineup every day and he's got to shuffle around that. Jose Martinez is pretty entrenched at first base now, but I would say Wong is probably going to be the playing time loser in that situation.
1: Uh, you know, you bring, bring up Carpenter and that just reminded me of something that I recently noticed looking at, at the Cardinals stats that, um, Carpenter's defensive numbers at third base are actually pretty good, and they're atrocious at second base, and that makes absolutely no sense to me. So, as somebody who I imagine watches the Cardinals probably nightly um, does that make does that surprise you? That just I mean I don't think he's an asset at either position these days. He's a good
0: defensive first base when he's in there but he's kind of seen his defensive skills erode from kind of the average level they were at during his peak. And I would say that's probably some early season noise based on sample size. Uh, I mean, you know, you're, you're making some sacrifices when you have Carpenter at third or second base uh, with the gloves. You know, most years the bat carries him, but that's not been the case thus far this season. So I would think
1: he's probably a bit below average at both positions in reality. Yeah, well, that's from you know the more limited uh, viewing I've done. That would seem to be the case. Uh, yeah. Now the outfield's crowded too. It always seems to be cr- crowded outfield situation there. Tyler O'Neal's back at Memphis. Do you see him coming back up? And if so, how? How does how does he fit in?
0: You know, I it would have to be a DL situation for him to come back. I think. Bader is pretty – Harrison Bader is pretty much entrenched as the – I mean, not even a fourth outfielder, really, probably the third point five outfielder because he gets a pretty good bit of playing time there with, you know, Ozuna and Fowler struggling. Uh, So, you know, I I don't see a clear path to playing time for Tyler O'Neal. I think he's uh, probably going to spend the majority of his time in Memphis – uh, you know, they like his power, obviously his defensive abilities. He can get by at all three positions out there, but right now Bader is the best defensive outfielder on that roster. And he's also hitting pretty well. And Matheny seems to have a liking for him. So I don't see a really clear path for O'Neill to play in time at the highest level.
1: Okay. And uh the rotation, uh, I mean, that certainly seems to be set now, especially now with uh, Alex Reyes, unfortunately uh, out for the season, but um you know, when it looked like Reyes was going to be in play, uh, a lot of people, including myself, were speculating Luke Weaver might lose his spot. He has struggled. Uh, do you think there's any changes in the future with that rotation, or is it pretty much just, just locked in? I
0: think it's locked in for a while. And, you know, it's also been a team strength, so I think there's probably a reluctance to mess with at this, at, at this point. You know, there is some depth. I mean, uh, John Gant's out there, presumably at some point, Wainwright's going to get back, you know, whether he can be effective is a whole other question, but uh, perhaps he gets healthy enough to contribute at some point. Uh, You know, uh, Dakota Hudson might be ready to contribute at some point this season in the majors. There is some depth there, and I don't think they would, you know, tolerate significant declines in the way Weaver's pitched now. He's had some good results on balance, been a bit of a below-average starter. They can live with that, Uh, but if it gets much worse, they may have to turn to some depth. Right now I think he's safe at the level he's performed at.
1: Well, you know, it seems weird, Dane, that the, the one part of the roster that I actually don't really have any questions about is the bullpen <laughs> for a change. Yeah. Uh, that actually seems pretty stable, but, uh, you know, everywhere else, uh, you know, it seems like there's there's some interesting things to, to conjecture. about. Yeah. So, uh, well, anyways, I uh, wish I had more time to uh, to uh, ask you about the Cardinals. I know you also got to go. So I just appreciate you taking the time today, uh, Dane, and uh, hopefully we can have you back again on sometime soon. Great to talk to you, Al. All right. Likewise, Dane. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, so it's uh, Dane Perry from uh, CBSSports.com and uh, answering uh, all my questions about the St. Louis Cardinals. But definitely check out that piece. I may have to sneak a peek at it uh, during the break because uh, it's uh, it's good stuff every year. And, yeah, now I know that the stories are false, but uh, it's fun to pretend that they're not. Anyway, uh, getting back to uh, tonight's slate, Uh, let's start with the weather here. There's not going to be too much there to uh, think about if you've still got lineups to set, but uh, maybe just keep tabs on Dane Perry's uh, team there, the Cardinals. It's not really his team, but we talked about it. Uh, Cardinals at the Reds. Uh, There's a 39% chance of precipitation in Cincinnati at game time, but uh, that chance goes down very quickly uh, thereafter so maybe a delayed start there uh, which if there's going to be a weather related uh, issue that's probably the one you want anyway is uh early delay and then no problems after that that looks like that's going to be the case in Cincinnati uh, and also in Minnesota uh, angels and twins that is a 710 central time start at Target Field that one might be a little bit more of a threat to have a mid game delay. There's an 18% chance of precipitation at game time goes up slightly, uh, for the next hour or two. And if the game drags on a bit, uh, it goes up quite a bit, uh, late in the evening there in Minneapolis. So that's one to keep an eye on, but for the most part, it doesn't look like you've got a high probability of any cancellations or uh, postponements. So, uh, uh, that's some uh, some good stuff there. We do have a few lineups uh, that have uh, come in. Of course, the White Sox uh, are among them because they're always the first or one of the first. They've got the uh, it's the battle of, uh, of the Sox, White Sox, Red Sox uh, at Fenway, uh, Dylan Kobe and Chris Sale. And Matt Davidson's still in the lineup. So uh, good to see there. Kevin Smith getting the start behind the plate. Trace Thompson in center field. Uh, I think those are pretty much... uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Jose Rondon getting the start at third base. So those are the uh, irregularities in the White Sox lineup. Phillies lineup is also out. They'll be hosting the Brewers at Citizens Bank Park. That's a 7.05 Eastern start. Alicia Seen and Vince Velasquez. Scott Kingery at short. J.P. Crawford just activated a couple days ago. He is getting the start at third base. And your Phillies outfield is uh, Nick Williams, Oduble, Herrera, and Dylan Cousins getting a start and batting eighth. Uh, Kingery, by the way, batting up in the third spot uh, for the Phillies. Uh, We have a Marlins lineup out. Uh, They'll be hosting the Padres. It's Eric Lauer and Caleb Smith, a couple of left-handers. And – Sorry, just take a look at this for the first time. Uh, Yadel Rivera getting the start at third base and batting eighth with Brian Anderson playing in the outfield, batting second, uh, playing in right field. We also just now got the Nationals. Uh, actually, a whole bunch of lineups just came out here. Nationals, that's Steven, Steven Strasburg and Andrew Suarez uh, for the Giants. That's at Nationals Park. Mark Reynolds getting the start at first against the lefty Suarez. And uh, Pedro Severino behind the plate. And uh, Red Sox. Chris just talked about the White Sox uh, lineup in that game. We've got uh, Jackie Bradley back in the starting lineup and batting seventh. Blake Swihart stays in the lineup, but he is DHing uh in this one. Actually, very interesting alignment. We've got um, Bradley in center flank by Ben left and Brock Holt in uh in right field, you know, as the Red Sox uh, continue to make do without uh, Mookie Betts. Uh, Mets lineup is out. That looks uh, like your standard lineup there, so we can skip right over that. And then we've got uh, lineups for the Mariners and Rays and also the Cardinals and Reds. Those are both 7 seven ten Eastern time uh, starts. Uh, Gordon Beckham back. For the Mariners. He is leading off and uh playing at second. So uh no D. Gordon. And uh for the oh and uh, by the way, also Ben Gamel in the lineup, so no Denard Span uh for the Mariners. Uh against the Rays with their opener Wilmer Font. And Jake Bowers getting another start at first base. I'm guessing he's gonna be pretty much uh a fixture now. Uh and Christian Arroyo. Batting eighth and playing second base, I don't know, has the Royal played second base before? I don't believe he has. Uh, so uh, no Joey Wendell in that lineup, and then finally got uh, Cardinals Reds. That's uh, oh and by the way, uh, I don't know if I uh, don't think I mentioned Marco Gonzalez making that start for the Mariners. Cardinals Reds. That's Luke Weaver uh, who I just talked about with Dane Perry and Matt Harvey going for the Reds, and uh, pretty much the standard lineup for the Cardinals. And for the Reds, you've got an outfield of uh, Shebler, Hamilton, and Winker. So no Adam Duvall. There was a report a few days back that I talked about in the show where the Reds were going to abandon their rotation, but it seems like they're they're sort of back to that. Um, so anyhow, that's their outfield alignment in an otherwise uh, normal lineup uh, for the Reds. So, uh, all right, let's... Uh, get uh, started on our review of Thursday's games and uh Dodgers breaking out offensively and Jock Peterson especially two home runs his fifth and sixth home runs of the season also hit his 11th double against the Pirates in a back and forth game with a lot of a lot of scoring uh something I didn't notice about Jock Peterson before and you know frankly I haven't been paying that much to, uh, attention to Peterson I do have him in one league where we change lineups twice a week. So, you know, I look and, and see if, you know, the Dodgers are going to be facing a bunch of varieties or if they're going to be, you know, facing you know a couple lefties because that's uh, that, that obviously plays into my decision about whether or not I'm going to start Jack Peterson. So I hadn't, you know, taken a deep dive on the stats. I mean, this isn't even a particularly deep dive. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize he was striking out so little this year. He has a 14.4% strikeout rate. Last year it was around 21%. And of course, the knock on Peterson going into last year was that he just strikes out way too much and he's never going to hit for average. Well, now he's hitting 272 uh, with the 347 on base percentage. And, and the power's been there. I mean, the power is, I wouldn't say a constant for Peterson, but you know, pretty much that's the one thing. Uh if if there was going to be a way that Peterson could, could contribute, it was going to be uh the home run power. Uh so uh the, the power's been there for peterson but um the strikeout rate that's that's incredible so that that's literally a game changer for peterson and uh you know now that he's uh, hitting well uh you figure that you're going to see him pretty regularly uh against right-handed pitching uh for the dodgers dodgers do have a five game week next week so uh might not be the best time however to uh maybe maybe pick up peterson but uh, not probably not start him Uh, Cody Bellinger, uh, just a few days ago, there were rumors he was going down to the minors. Maybe that was a motivational factor, but he is now homered in three straight games. His 11th home run in that game against the Pirates on Thursday, one of his three hits, also his 11th double of the season. So uh, Cody Bellinger, I don't think we have any worries about him right now. And, uh, you know, we've waited a few years for uh, Jock Peterson to kind of You know, put the the whole package together. Maybe we're seeing that from Leonis Martin this year, too. He had his eighth home run against uh, the Red Sox. Uh, Of course, the Tigers not really having any problems offensively against Jalen Beeks and the Red Sox uh, bullpen yesterday. Uh, Eighth home run and his third triple of the season. And he's got a 50% fly ball rate. So Martin uh, hitting for power and backing it up with some decent exit velocity and a very high fly ball rate. So uh, I think at least you can trust the power from our team. But uh, a lot of pitching performances worth paying attention to, and not necessarily uh, the high-octane types that we often talk about on the show. Uh, So I'll focus on those standout pitchers, but first we have to head to break. So don't go anywhere, I'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Welcome back. You're listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as promised, I will get to the standout pitching performances from uh, Thursday's slate. I'll do a little little bit of a look ahead to next week. Already talked about a lot of two-star pitchers with Nando on Thursday's show. Got a couple others to talk about uh, on today's show. Some pitchers that that pitched uh, on Thursday. So they line up for the the Tuesday-Sunday 2 start schedule. Next week, a couple of uh updates by the way, before we do get to all of that. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer is now ha- he has a uh projected return date, uh, he is targeting around June 20th, according to uh Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. So, uh, some really good news there. And I, you know, had the positive report on Elvis Andrews uh, earlier in the show. I've got both of those guys, so I'm, I'm excited to get both of them back uh, within the the next couple of weeks. So good good news there on Kevin Kiermaier. Also realized over the break that when I was breaking down the Red Sox lineup, there it was such a different looking lineup. I missed the obvious uh, uh, impact there, which is with Blake Swayheart DHing. Uh, that that back injury is keeping J.D. Martinez out of the lineup tonight. So uh, I'm sure you probably put those pieces together. I was a little slow on that, so uh, my apologies. Uh, but let's get to uh, the pitching performances. Uh, a lot of the focus is going to be on uh, pitchers that are probably not very widely owned, um, and in particular, some pitchers that uh, you know don't necessarily have a, a great profile for fantasy, but they but they've been doing well. So, uh, you know, this is how it it typically lines up that, you know, you have a bunch of aces uh, going on a particular day and then you've got the back of the rotation. So that seems to be where we are right now uh, as far as that goes. But uh, Jose Brios had a great start. He's certainly a fantasy mainstay and uh, will continue to be one with more performances like this against the White Sox. He went the distance, complete game, only two runs allowed on six hits and no walks. With 10 strikeouts. So that's uh, some uh, peak uh, Jose Barrios performance right there. Uh, As I've mentioned already, uh, Jalen Beeks' debut did not go very well at all. And he's also already been optioned, which might have been what was going to happen anyway. But uh, he's been optioned. Uh, But Beeks only lasted four innings against the Tigers. Gave up six runs on seven hits with three walks and four strikeouts. So uh, probably the bird, the, not probably, definitely the, the better pitching story in that one was Matt Boyd going into the seventh inning at Fenway Park against a very tough Red Sox lineup and only giving up two runs on, two, on four hits and four walks, which isn't great, but six strikeouts, which is pretty good for a pitcher like Boyd, who isn't necessarily, he's been very effective, not always with strikeouts but more so with soft contact. Uh, So, but against a a team like the Red Sox uh, to get six strikeouts and six in the third and only give up two runs, that's a really encouraging performance from Matt Boyd. And especially when you take into account, he got off to a very rough start in that game, gave up some hard contact, which is unusual for him, but gave up some hard contact early. And there was a report from the Detroit Free Free Press uh, that actually was passed on to me By Nando DeFino. So we get a a little bit of, uh, at least in spirit, some Nando Thursday on a Friday. And the report was basically that Boyd and and also to an extent uh, Joe Jimenez, who uh, pitched the eighth inning of that game. They came in and they struggled initially because apparently the mound is is very different from the bullpen mound at Fenway Park. Uh, It's got a different slope and uh I had never heard about this before Tonto had never heard about this before uh apparently it's a thing and it affected Boyd don't know if you know if there's any sort of pattern there with that affecting um visiting pitchers in general but you know Boyd recovered Jimenez uh Jimenez uh, recovered from it and uh you know Tigers uh came out with a win as a result so uh you know you added that factor and it's an especially impressive start for Matt Boyd uh, James Shields was somebody also talked about in yesterday's show. And you're probably wondering why I'm coming back to James Shields uh, because he is a two star pitcher next week. I don't think he initially profiled as one, but with the insertion of Carlos Rodon into the rotation on Saturday and a uh, little bit of juggling there with the White Sox rotation. Shields now lines up, even though it hasn't been formally announced, it looks like he's going to line up to face the Indians at home on Tuesday and the Tigers at home on Saturday. And uh, I- I'm going to tell you what I'm doing with James Shields next week because it's it's very much based on circumstance. Now, Shields, prior to this Horrible start that he had against the Twins on Thursday. He had a string of seven starts that produced a 3.45 ERA and six quality starts. So he had been going pretty deep into every start. I think even the one that wasn't a quality start was like six innings and four runs. So very consistent over a seven start period for James Shields. That span encompassed 47 innings, 36 strikeouts, which is not a lot. But only 14 walks, which is a big change from last year and from earlier this year. So um, not necessarily improved control, but a good chase rate, 33% chase rate during that uh, that stretch. So here's the deal. I wouldn't trust Shields in most leagues, uh, even though this one start gets the Twins looks like an outlier. And even in this start, he got the Twins to chase a bunch of pitches. He just gave up too much hard contact. And that's something I would legitimately worry about with James Shields. But one of the leagues that I own Shields in is Tout Wars. And I'm not doing well in Tout Wars. Uh, I rallied a little bit, uh, but now I've fallen back down to, I think, 12th place out of 15. So it's not going well. So I'm basically going to throw Hail Mary and hope that Shields returns to form and stardom. Basically doubling down on him. Uh, But I wouldn't necessarily recommend that in other types of situations. But you know, if you're you're down in a league, you know, I think there is some upside here with James Shields. And I know those are two terms that we typically haven't put together in several years, upside and James Shields, but I think it applies now. So that's that's my two or three cents on on James Shields. Uh now a lot of people I, I've noticed, um, and I haven't really I haven't seen the 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 data, the the ad drop data on it, but just um, anecdotally, it seems like a lot of people are picking up Mike Leek. And some of that certainly has to do with the fact that he's got a two-start week coming up. It also has to do with the fact that he's been pitching really well lately. Uh, he has quality starts in five of his last six starts and in his last four consecutively, including on Thursday, uh, eight innings, two runs with eight hits and a walk, and only three strikeouts against the Rays. But that's been the MO for Leak, and when it goes well for Leak, that is how it goes because he typically does not walk a lot of batters. He allows a lot of contact, so it's there's short plate appearances, there's a high degree of efficiency, and he goes seven or eight innings deep. So I see the logic in uh, going for Leak in, um, in a two-start week, but he's got rough matchups uh, at home. So, you know, Peck or, or, I'm sorry, um, Safeco, not a, a bad venue at all, but he's got the Angels and the Red Sox. I don't I wouldn't do it, um, but I will tell you what I did do is I put out a poll on Twitter because not only did Mike Leek pitch yesterday, but so did Paul Blackburn and David Hess. And all three of them had good starts. Leak's, Leak had the best. Uh, and maybe that influences the results a bit. I think probably just maybe the track record that Mike Leake has just been around a lot longer than Paul Blackburn and David Hess, David Hess especially, <laughs> just uh, debuting this season. But uh, Leake got eighty—I'm sorry, seventy-eight percent of the vote uh, in this poll. Which low strikeout pitcher would you most want to roster for rest of season? Leake got seventy-eight percent, and then Blackburn and Hess split the uh, the rest of the vote, each of them getting eleven percent. So I get the, the leak appeal with the two-start week and with the basically a hot streak for him, even though it's not involved getting many strikeouts, which again is pretty typical for him. He's got a 14.9% strikeout rate on the season, Mike Leak. However, um, he has been very average in terms of inducing soft contact. He's got a poorly hit rate. This is uh, from XStats. Uh, You know, basically hits that just uh, don't do any damage has a 22% rate. Uh, Currently, the major league average is 23%. So he's slightly below average. And he's also right around the the major league average in terms of value hits, which are the exact opposite. Hits that are almost always based on their exit velocity and launch angle almost always result in extra bases. 10% rate, which is very average. So that's Mike Leak. We're going to put that aside. Now we're going to look at Hess and Blackburn. Hess uh, started against the Blue Jays. He went six innings, one run, five hits, two walks, four strikeouts, which for him is actually not a bad strikeout total. Uh, Hess uh, has a 13.6% K rate, so slightly lower than Leaks, but not much. And out of 183 pitchers that have allowed at least 90 batted balls this season, so again, the pool here is 183 pitchers. Hess has the 26th lowest uh, average exit velocity allowed on fly balls and line drives. So, pretty good in that regard. He has a 38% poorly hit rate. Now, again, let's compare with Leak, who is right around the league average. 22% for Leak, 38% for David Hess. All right, so... Similar types of pitchers in terms of not a lot of strikeouts, very contact friendly. But the quality of contact has been much worse off of Hess than off of Mike Leak. Um, Paul Blackburn in his season debut, just coming off the DL for the A's, uh, he went six innings as well. Only one run on three hits, no walks and three strikeouts. So that's typical for Paul Blackburn. Not very many strikeouts against the Royals. Uh, this was his first start this year. Last year, Blackburn, get ready for this, he had a 9% strikeout rate. I don't know that I've heard of a lower strikeout rate for a starting pitcher. Uh, maybe not since like Aaron Cook or, or maybe Justin Nicolino uh, certainly would challenge that. So very, very contact friendly. But a 28% poor, poorly hit rate, which is uh, not nearly as good as David Hess's, but considerably better than Mike Leakes. And where Blackburn really shines... It's not so much in getting the uh, soft contact as avoiding the hardest, most damaging contact. His value hit rate, Now, got to remember, leaks is 10%, which is right around major league average. Blackburn's rate is, from last season was 3%. So some interesting choices here. Uh, and I would, you know, next week, Mike Leak with two starts, I, I wouldn't really trust him, to be honest. As good as it's as well as it's gone for him. But in terms of rest of season, I'm actually more interested in, in Hess and Blackburn, for whatever that's worth. A uh, couple other starts uh, just to take a quick look at here. Actually, ones that I mentioned briefly on yesterday's show but didn't really dig into. Uh, so for the Pirates, uh, Jamison Tyone. Not to deny us the fact that he's started throwing a slider. Basically, three starts in a row now where he's used the slider uh, very frequently. Uh, Tyone went five innings, three runs on eight hits, but only one walk and seven strikeouts, so that ratio is excellent against the Dodgers. He threw 26 sliders, got four swings and misses on the slider, which is fine, but not not great. And um, over his last three starts, though, he's thrown 19 in third innings and has gotten 19 strikeouts. So that is better than Tyone has done in the past. It is a small sample, of course, but um, yeah, I think that the jury is still out in terms of uh, whether or not that's really making a, a positive impact for Tyone just yet. So we'll continue to to watch here. And then finally, uh, Trevor Richards, he went five innings, gave up three runs on seven hits, but no walks and four Ks against the Giants. Uh, good control was Richards calling card in the minors, So good to see him with a no walk start here. Uh, and yeah. Uh, Actually, I apologize. That was not against the Giants. I was looking ahead here. He's got the Giants next week. He's also got the Orioles in Baltimore. So Richard's somebody to uh, consider for uh, for two starts. Uh, anyhow, so speaking of next week, uh, so we've talked about a few two-star pitchers. Uh, probably a good idea to uh, take a look at the schedule. I already mentioned the Dodgers have a, uh, a five-game schedule for next week. So think twice about Jack Peterson. In shallower leagues, maybe even think twice about Matt Kemp, who's been hit well lately. Uh, for uh, the Reds, they've got uh, a five-game schedule. So I'm not really sure who that might impact there. Uh, Nationals have five games. Talked about the red-hot Michael Taylor on yesterday's show. Uh, not a bad idea to pick him up. May not want to start him right away with a five-game week. Royals have a five-game schedule, and the Rangers have a five-game schedule next week. Uh, several teams, nine to be exact, have a seven-game schedule. So with so many teams playing uh, you know, basically every day next week, which, by the way, is sort of odd because it's a very light schedule on Monday. So I was surprised to see that there were nine different teams that have a seven-game schedule. So a lot of teams uh, doubling up on, on Monday and Thursday. Uh, so with so many teams going, it's maybe not going to be as much of a differentiator when you're setting your lineup. But nonetheless, especially if you've got somebody maybe with seven games as opposed to, uh, you know, a Matt Kemp with five games or, you know, maybe an Eugenio Suarez uh, in a deeper league. You know, maybe it's a dilemma with Alex Gordon for the for the Royals uh, in any event uh, or, or Adrian Beltre maybe. Uh, So, you you know, if it's it's those players versus, uh, you know, somebody on one of these uh, teams with a seven game schedule, just something to consider. So you got the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, the Padres, the Giants, the Red Sox, White Sox, Indians, Mariners and Rays, all with uh, seven game schedules next week. So, again, uh, just something to consider, particularly in comparison with players from those teams that are only going to be playing five games. So uh, anyhow, hopefully uh, that is helpful. And uh, again, just remember that it is a seven o'clock lineup block uh, on Monday uh, with the, the, again, that, that relatively small schedule. Uh, so uh, it's uh yeah, seven, actually it's going to be seven to 5 first pitch. Uh, Red Sox and Orioles at Camden Yard. So I will be uh, looking for your emails. If you want to beat the rush, I'm sorry, emails or tweets, uh, <laughs> uh, tweet me at Al BB and, uh you And know, I'll uh, dedicate some time on Monday's show to uh, answering your questions. And also I'm going to have Mike the Rotocop on the show. We're going to talk about all-star ballots. That's always fun. Not always fantasy relevant, although we could probably work some fantasy talk in there. Uh, but always a fun exercise and a good opportunity to, to vent, which I almost certainly will do when uh, Mike the RotoCop is on the show. So thanks to Dane Perry for joining me on this show and hope you all have a great weekend and best of luck this weekend. And again, tweet me if you got to line up or add drop questions for the weekend. So on that note, everybody, take care and have a good one.